How does Black Friday give us a small dose of what end times events will be like? And a sperm bank in New Zealand is being launched. Nope, sorry. An HIV positive sperm bank is being launched in New Zealand to help the stigma of HIV. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we have a number of stories, but the first thing I want to get to is Happy Thanksgiving. I hope that your guys' Thanksgiving was wonderful, and praise God that we actually have something to be thankful for and someone who to be thankful to. I praise God that I actually can be thankful to him for everything he's given us, life and breath, and the fact that if you overate, he will forgive you, you sluggards, you. <laughs> no, um, guys, I praise God for it. I praise God for family, uh, for those uh, of you that have, you know, the mothers and fathers in your life, Lord. Uh, we just thank the Lord for all those things. And I, I do love Thanksgiving. I love getting together and, and hanging out with family and friends and, and also just talking about how good God is with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I think uh, it's something we should be really thankful for, that we have the ability to get together, that we live in a country as of right now, that we are free to come together as well as our church bodies here in America. So we have so much to be thankful for, and I know that uh, we are supposed to always be thankful. In fact, it is a sin to not be thankful. I just want to let you guys know that. Before we get into some of these crazy stories, now, if you celebrated Thanksgiving, you are now it is now Black Friday, okay? And by now, most of the shopping has been done because right now it's about 5 or 6 a.m. And this used to be the time that a lot of people were going out for Black Friday to go shopping in the morning. Some of them were getting up earlier to get out there, but this is typically when people were shopping. But the problem is... <laughs> the department stores keep pushing that time back. And um, if you guys want to know, I, I figured I'd give you guys a little bit of the history of Black Friday because it's such a long history. I'm sure you guys know that it started back all the way in 2004. Okay, it's really not that old, all right? And it's just one of those things, you know, if the if Hallmark wants to make up Valentine's Day, you know what? The retail stores are going to make up Black Friday. But a lot of people don't even know where the name comes from. And and for me, I was actually ignorant of it. I thought that the name came from the businesses going from the red into the black. Okay, that's typically what I have heard. But that's actually not where it originally comes from. Okay, now, basically what retail stores said is that after Thanksgiving, this is now the season to go buy a ton of gifts for everybody and spend all your money on Christmas. Okay, so when the retail stores said that, it started right after the day of Thanksgiving. And a lot of people, you had the, the Macy's Day Parade, and a lot of people really getting this idea idea out there. And Black Friday, even though it didn't start with Macy's, it actually started in Philadelphia. 
And this is because this is where the Army-Navy game would come. And the police there in Philadelphia said it causes such a disruptive pedestrian and vehicle traffic that it would occur always the day after Thanksgiving. And therefore, the smog and everything that was involved and wrapped around it, they considered that Black Friday because a lot of people would go to the games. They would go shopping. It'd be nuts. <laughs> and so they called it Black Friday. OK, so there's been a lot of rumors of where that name came from. But it is interesting that it only started in 2004, 2005. And then they added Cyber Monday to it. They added Small Business Saturday. That was done by American Express because obviously um, you want to go to small businesses that accept American Express. Uh, so a lot of this, guys, has been to get more money. And sadly, in 2012, Walmart was the first one that started opening not only at 4 or 5 a.m., but started opening in 2012 at 8 p.m. So 8 p.m. Thursday. So it's not Friday at all. <laughs> you know, it's literally on Thanksgiving at eight when most people will be sitting down with their family, probably finishing up the last football game, depending upon where you are in the country. And instead of spending it with your family, people are leaving to go get a cheap toaster. Yes, that is it. And uh, then Kmart said, hey, we're going to one up you 8 p.m. We're going 6 a.m. On Thursday, we're going to start our Black Friday shopping at 6 a.m. on Thursday. And so basically, guys, the truth is, is that Thanksgiving evening is being ruined by retail. Okay. All because of the mighty dollar. All right. So I was thinking about this and I've thought about this a number of times. So I wanted to go through some of the things that have happened. Okay. So we see a couple of the, you know, quote unquote evils. And and I just want to let you know, it's interesting. I'm going to read you guys a couple of stories. And I was actually at one of the places where one of these stories happened on the year that it happened. Okay. I was actually at this exact store on this exact year when this happened. I actually didn't even know it happened until afterwards. But I wanted to go through some of the stories of things that have happened at different locations that opened up for Black Friday. And a lot of times, guys, people go out there not only to catch the deals, but now it's just it's a crazy extravaganza at this point. You're talking about thousands of people standing out of places, camping out, getting ready so they can get 30% off, (laughs) you know, or it's actually, you get some good deals. I'm not going to lie. I've actually gone, especially up in Fresno, California. Um, Typically when we visit my family up there, we go Black Friday shopping, but more for us, it's we get coffee and hang out and you you kind of pull all nighter. You feel like a young kid again for you guys used to hang out with your friends and and pull all nighters playing video games or whatever you're doing. Um, That's typically what we do. And I've done that with my wife. We've done that with our family. We've gone maybe 25 people deep to uh, different places. And my uncle's even dressed up uh, and acted like he was security at some places uh, (laughs) um, doing different duties because he found name random name tags and put them on. But no, I've actually had a good time at some of the Black Fridays, but it can get a little crazy. And if you take it too seriously, um, it's probably because you have a problem. But let's go through a couple of stories, okay? In 2011, in Thousand Oaks, California, and guys, I know I picked on a couple of things that are local, and Thousand Oaks is the neighboring city here in Simi Valley. It's the closest city, kind of, to our church. It's right next door to our church on this side of the valley. And, um, There were shrieking hordes that tore into an Urban Outfitters at midnight in 2011, and the Ring of Wraths of the Return of the King recorded this awful sound as their ringtones and sang it to their baby, 
<laughs> at their desk. Sorry, I was reading from a BuzzFeed article there concerning this, and they went through the six crazy stampedes that happen at Black Friday. And this one was at the mall in Thousand Oaks in 2011. You guys can check that out on their, on BuzzFeed itself. I wouldn't normally push that, but you can watch the videos there as, as the clips show a lot of craziness. Now, in 2011 in Porter Ranch, I was actually at this exact one. It was at a Walmart and a lady there was trying to get an Xbox. Actually, what happened was two men started accosting her son who had an Xbox in his hand in order to get it from him. And when they, when she found them grabbing her son and trying to steal it away, she sprayed them with pepper spray. But as you guys may know, pepper spray in a small area contacts a lot of people. And guess what? 20 different people had to go in for injuries. And you know what she did? She packed her pepper spray away. She walked up to the front and paid for her stuff and left after pepper spraying someone. This is the craziness. But don't think that that's the only weapon being used. At a Toys R Us in Palm Desert, two women started fighting and their boyfriends actually both had weapons and started having a shootout in the middle of a Toys R Us running around shooting each other. And sadly, both of them shot each other and both of them died at Toys R Us. Guys, what's crazy is they're not even getting free stuff. We're talking about deals on materials that they have to pay money to buy and typically then they get overcharged by the thing next to it. Guys, this is the kind of stuff that I look at and I want to look at this stuff through the lens of scripture because I'm looking at the craziness that's going on and I say, wow, if that's what's going on right now, what happens when the government has control of all of our food? What happens when the government has control of what we buy or sell? The Bible actually depicts this exact thing as happening in the end times. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, it says, Then I saw a beast uh, coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. Revelation 13, 16 through 18 then says this. It says actually right before that that he's going to perform signs, making fire come down from heaven, deceiving people all over the earth. And then it says he causes all, the small and the great, the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hand and on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is the wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. For the number of that man is, and the number is, 666. Guys, I have to point this out, okay? Because this is an end, end time event. And a lot of people in the church, who I love and count as brethren, would say, don't worry about that. You won't be here when it happens. Okay? Too many people have said this. And too many Bible-believing people who love Jesus have even gone as far as to say, you can take the mark of the beast and you'll be just fine. You can take the mark of the beast and it's okay because, you know what? You can't lose your salvation anyways and... You won't, you shouldn't be there anyways because there's a pre-trib rapture. Guys, there's a big, big problem with this line of thinking. And the biggest problem, it doesn't line up with Scripture. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we are told when God will deal out the retribution. And they're asking, when is God going to deal out the retribution for all the things as the church is being persecuted, as the church is being massacred? When is God going to stop this? When is he going to come with his angels and flaming fire and deal out this retribution? And he tells us exactly when. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 4, I want you to I want to I want you to pay attention very closely to these verses, okay? Remember, this is all in context of the Antichrist, the one who is like a lamb but spoke as a dragon. He is the Antichrist, okay? And here's what it has to say. In 2 Thessalonians 2, remember, this is all on the backdrop of 2 Thessalonians 1, which tells us when the retribution, when he will come to rain down on the non-believers. He says, now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, the episode our gathering together, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you. Guys, every time in your Bible that you see do not be deceived. Let no one deceive you. I would tell you right now, get the brightest highlighter you have and highlight it and then say, here's where X, Y, and Z churches are going to be deceived because that is exactly what happens and this is exactly what happens. Let no one deceive you that what, what, our com- the coming of our Lord Jesus, which is in context from the verse before, when he comes to deal out the retribution, our coming together and our gathering, our episynagoge, our what we would call in theology the rapture, okay? Let no one deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy or the great falling away and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat at the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. This is the Antichrist. This is somebody who comes like a lamb, but speaks as a dragon. In Matthew chapter 24, we get this clear so clear, guys. In verse 15, we are told about the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet. And then literally Matthew says, put you can look at it in parentheses, let the reader understand. Understand that this is the Antichrist. Understand this is the same guy talking about in 2 Thessalonians, the man of lawlessness. Then it says this, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show you great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the very elect. Remember, at the beginning of this, in Revelation 13, in the same context, the Antichrist comes, performs signs, performs wonders, deceives the people of the earth with those signs. And what did Jesus say to be warned against? False Christ, false prophets, in the context of verse 15, verse 24, Verse 15 says the abomination and desolation. Verse 24 says for false Christ and false prophets will rise, showing great signs and wonders, and don't be misled by them. Then it says this, 
But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the earth will be shaken, and then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory, and he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together the elect from the four winds from one end to the, from one end of the, earth, the sky to the other. Okay, it'd be like lightning coming, shining from the east, from the east to the west. Okay, every eye will see him, even those with pierced him, and all of the tribes of the earth will mourn after him. Even so, amen. This is the second coming of Christ. So guys, this is why in verse 13, we are told that we need to make sure very, very clearly in that scripture to hold fast until the end. Okay, and those will be saved, who hold fast to the end. And that's it also in context of not letting your heart grow cold because of the things that are happening. So guys, look at this, all right? So we have people not allowed to eat, buy or sell any goods, okay, without that mark. And if you don't take that mark, if you don't take that mark, how are you gonna get that food from him, right? How are you gonna get that? And what happens if you take that mark? What's the final destination For every person, the real final destination, not the terrible movie, (laughs) okay, the real final destination of every person who takes that mark, Revelation 14, just one chapter after, tells us where it is. Revelation 14, 9 through 12. Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night, those who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives this mark of his name. Guys, so clear, so abundantly clear. If you take that mark, you will be damned forever. So when I look at people killing each other for 30% off a TV, And then I think about what is promised in Scripture. And here's one thing. When it comes to Scripture, when God's Word is clear and promises something so clearly throughout Scripture over and over and over again, something like the coming of the Messiah, okay, the promises all the way from Genesis. And guys, if you haven't been listening to Typology Tuesday on the Good Fight Radio Show, please start because you are going to see from Genesis 1-1 all the way through Malachi and actually all the way through Revelation, the pictures of Jesus over and over and over again. If you do not You have to see those things. And when those promises are always made true and that Jesus Christ, if you look at Daniel chapter nine, you give exactly when Jesus would die on the cross or die on the cross, when the Messiah would be cut off. You know that when it would happen and it happened. You look at Isaiah 53, where it gives us exactly what the Messiah will look like. And it happens. You look at Micah 5, 2, where it will happen, where he will be born. All of these different texts, all of those promises came true. So guess what? If all of those promises came true, if the prophecy that Jesus proclaimed about 70 AD, what would happen, came true, guess what? Also, his resurrection came true. 
He prophesied that he would resurrect. You tear down this temple, I will build it up in three days. That came true. So guess what I have to do with every other text? I have to say, guess what? Those are coming true. Every single one of these texts is going to come true. The great thing is, though, we don't cling to our own selves. and We don't cling to some friend and some pastor and some teacher. I get to cling to Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will be so alive and well that literally it says, don't even prepare what you're going to say, but the Holy Spirit will make utterance. That also tells me that the Holy Spirit hasn't left the earth, by the way, because he's making utterance in believers at that time on the earth. So guys, it is really important that we do not get our theology from left behind books. Okay, it is really, really important that we get our theology from scripture and recognize that not only scripture, even if you want to go to the early church or even the church after that, or the church after that, or the church after that, this doctrine didn't exist. And when I look at it and I see, as, as Joe would call it, a recipe for apostasy, this great falling away when, well, we don't have to worry about this. We don't have to worry about any of this. None of this is going to happen to us. And I look and I see the patterns of people over deals, let alone if they have no food or if they have to feed their family. And what about you guys? If you guys know anything about early church history, you know that the early church were forced to, many of them, to die or say Caesar is Yahweh. Their children, their daughters raped to say or say Caesar is Yahweh. What's going to happen when you can't feed your kids and someone's calling you out and Satan is whispering in your ear, hey, all you got to do is take this mark. You'll be forgiven afterwards. You're once saved, always saved. You'll be fine. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to let your kids starve? All these things, that recipe for apostasy, I shouldn't be here. This hope that I had in the in the rapture, oh, Guys, I'm telling you, it's dangerous. And I want to. I want Tony to put a link to a couple of different teachings that we have uh, that Joe's done on the subject. One is called uh, "Coming on the Clouds," I believe, and it's actually uh, from our Blessed Hope Chapel Australia uh, page uh, from Rob Cartledge over there. Pastor Rob Cartledge uploaded one of Joe's teachings, and then another one is, I believe, it's the Great Deception. But I feel like that's every deception that Joe talks about is the great deception, but they usually are. But um, I'll have Joe talk or I'll have Tony post those, uh, a link to those. Cause I believe you need to check those out because they're really important. We actually have a documentary. Good fight ministries does of uh, called left behind or let, let astray examining the origin of the pre-tribulation rapture. And guys, I really, I really would love for you guys to check that out. And if you guys email me, I'll send you a free copy of it. Okay, if you email me and you really want it, uh, chat at goodfight.org um, because it, it's it's important enough to see um, that the, there's a reason why this wasn't taught in the church, guys. And it's important to us to recognize the warnings. If I just preach the kindness and not the severity, I can't be, as Paul said, free of the blood of all man. I, I need to preach the kindness and severity, and I need to preach the scriptures literally as they are written. Um, and I And I will not... I will not bow down to public opinion. I want to look at what God's word has to say. And speaking of public opinion, how about AIDS? How about HIV? Uh, a, a, this is disgusting, but a sperm bank in New Zealand has decided that it would be a good idea to open up an HIV positive sperm bank. Guys, I, I wish I was joking, but this is just every time I think like people can't get crazier, they get a little bit crazier, you know? 
And it made me think a lot about sexually transmitted diseases and the impact of not being sexually pure. Remember what God's will is for your life. It was very clear in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where we say, this is God's will for your life, your sanctification, that you may abstain from sexual immorality. We are warned that sexual sin is one not only just, it's, it's different than other sins because it's a sin against your own body. And I believe, and I, uh, Joe's actually been going over this um, through his series, Let's Talk About Sex. He's, he's done a number of messages on that. And one of the things he talked about was some of the writing of King David concerning even his repentance. But some of the writing of King David actually seems to mention some sexually transmitted disease that he might have had, okay? And some people have said it's gonorrhea. Some people have said it's syphilis. But if you turn to Psalm 38, this is what it says. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath and chasten me not in your burning anger. For your arrows have sunk deep into me and your hand has pressed down on me. There is a soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They weigh too much for me. My wounds grow foul and fester because of my folly. I am bent over and greatly bowed down. I go mourning all day. For my loins are filled with burning. And there is no soundness in my flesh. I am benumbed and badly crushed. I groan because of the agitation of my heart. And guys, this is repenting into dust and ashes, so to speak. I am stealing from Job there. But this is that repenting of his sexual sin. And notice some of these things seem very eerily similar to some of the symptoms of gonorrhea or syphilis. Either one. And only God is the one who will ultimately heal. And notice that a lot of this has to do with the agitation of his heart, because that is what sexual sin is. It's a sin of the heart first that then is replicated in the flesh. Okay. And if you think about in uh, the book of James, it talks about that lust giving birth to sin and sin producing death. And that happened to David. Um, Some have even argued that David may have had syphilis and it passed on to his child. And that's how his child died. Now, I believe that the Lord took his child from him and brought his child into his arms because he didn't deserve to have him after committing the grievous sin that he did. But guys, it is good to be sorrowful sometimes. In fact, Paul uses this language in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. He said, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it. For I see that the letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. Uh, this, Guys, this is really important. Verse 10. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. It gives you nothing. The sorrow of the world is self-serving, okay? Even repentance of the world is self-serving. Typically, when someone chooses not to do some wicked sin, it's self-serving. It's because they recognize the ramifications of what that sin will have in their life, okay? 
It's really, really important. But I'll tell you someone who went to sorrow for their sin. And that will go right back to David. Point right back to David. There is no greater portion of script for me personally. And for somebody, I've counseled young men who've dealt with problems with pornography, different sexual addictions. And Psalm 51 is my precursor. Hey, if we're going to meet, you're going to memorize this. This is what you're memorizing, and it's this text. And it's Psalm 51. It's it's Psalms, It's David's Psalm of Repentance. And I'm going to read it because God has way better words than Chad. Okay? And I'm going to read it right now. It says, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Let your face from my, or hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Here's guys and here it is because God's ultimately the one who has to do it. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. If you are following sin, if you are stuck in the trenches of sexual morality, I pray you will repent and do exactly what David did. Don't stay in the ditch. Don't stay beaten down. Restore me the joy of my salvation, Lord. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will be converted to you. Go forth and do likewise. This has been Chad Davidson, and this is the 511 News.